Welcome to the weekly podcast of Science and the City, the public gateway to the New York Academy of Sciences, online at scienceandthecity.org. Today is Friday, August 29th, 2008. I'm Alana Rangi. It's the lightest and most abundant element in the world. While we can't eat it or drink it, it might not be long before hydrogen will provide a life-saving clean fuel alternative to oil. Today, we're looking at the potential for a hydrogen economy. More specifically, a hydrogen car economy. Buckle up. So it's 7 o'clock in the morning, and I'm standing at the corner of 77th Street and Central Park West in New York City, and I'm watching the commuters drive to work. It's a pretty familiar sight and sound. This, however... ...is not. At this glaring hour in the morning, I have met the Hydrogen Road Tour... In 13 days, this fleet of 10 cars made by different manufacturers are planning to drive across the country. And they'll produce zero emissions as they go. Patrick Surface is with the National Hydrogen Association, based out of Washington, D.C. The Hydrogen Road Tour was started when the Department of Transportation got three other organizations, the Department of Energy, the California Fuel Cell Partnership, and the National Hydrogen Association together to try to bring hydrogen technologies to people that weren't used to seeing them. We have a lot of stops on the East Coast. There's a lot of activity already in California. And so it's refreshing when we go to California to talk to people. A lot of them already know about hydrogen technologies. And so that's what, that's what we're trying to change. We want to elevate the understanding of hydrogen technologies because if you know about them, then you're more likely to perhaps purchase one of the units or adopt it as one of the options to meet your energy needs. So what exactly is a hydrogen car? Well, basically, it's a car that runs on hydrogen instead of gasoline. Most of the cars on the hydrogen road tour use a fuel cell to power their electric engines. And really, it's pretty simple. A fuel cell works by taking hydrogen and oxygen from the air and combining them electrochemically to create water and electricity. The fuel cell generates electricity on board the vehicle, and it does that by taking hydrogen from the fuel storage tank and oxygen from air and combines it in the fuel cell in the presence of a catalyst to generate electricity. The fuel cell itself has a membrane. On either side of that membrane is a catalyst. The hydrogen and oxygen come together, and they want to join together. So there's a a voltage that can be measured between the hydrogen and oxygen. They, They want to come together. The catalyst allows the hydrogen gas to uh, split from H2, which is the diatomic hydrogen in its natural state, into two hydrogen protons and two electrons. The hydrogen protons can travel through the membrane to the other side where the oxygen is. The electrons can't travel through the membrane. They have to go around through the current collectors and uh, out, and we make them run through an electric motor on their way to drive the car. And when the electrons get to the other side, they meet the protons, and they meet the oxygen, and create water. So we actually generate electricity as we drive. It's a totally electric vehicle, but instead of plugging it into the wall to charge it up, 
you're refueling it with hydrogen and creating your electricity as you go. Now these cars also use batteries. Um, they're hybridized and that's for efficiency and so battery technology is also very important to these vehicles. So it's now 7.30 in the morning, and all of the car manufacturers are competing with each other right now to try and get media to sit in their car. I am persuaded by Honda to sit in uh, the new Honda Clarity car, which is a hydrogen fuel cell car, with Ryan Hardy, who's an engineer with Honda. Okay. But we have chauffeurs to lock us in the car. Um, okay, so so tell me where we're sitting. Uh, you are sitting in the driver's seat of perhaps the world's most advanced fuel cell automobile. <laughs> Says the boy from Honda. <laughs> <laughs> Honda FCX Clarity. So how is this different? I mean, just by looking at it, can you describe if it looks any different from a normal car? Absolutely it's different. Uh, the first thing you'd realize is that the cabin is maybe quite a ways forward from where you would traditionally be sitting in a, in a gasoline-powered vehicle. And the reason for that is that we have an electric motor to drive the car, as opposed to a very large internal combustion engine with a transmission that needs a lot of space. Now, this car isn't on the market, right? This car is on the market. It is currently being leased to customers in Southern California. We are just beginning the lease program, mind, and we've only delivered two vehicles so far. Within the next three years, we'll deliver up to 200 cars in Southern California, just to private customers. And when you say deliver to private customers, you mean give away for free, or you mean... No, uh, customers pay $600 a month to lease this car from Honda. It absolutely is not a giveaway. Uh, we are not just finding people and tossing the keys to them for, you know, for, for nothing. Customers ask Honda for the car, sign a lease agreement, get the keys. One of the things that I'm dying to know about fuel cell cars is how many single fuel cells need to be put together to make a car run. And so I asked Ryan how many fuel cells go into a stack. Can you explain the stack system? Sure. The, the stack is actually right under your right elbow. Here in the center console, the stack is made of many, many of those fuel okay, cells. Do you have how many? Uh, Officially, <laughs> officially, it is a proprietary number, but I will say a large many. Really? Say greater it's a than, secret number. It's a secret number. This is a question I want answered most, actually. <laughs> Can you give, is it like hundreds or thousands? It's, it's in the hundreds. Wow. In, in, the, in the low to mid hundreds. So is it a secret because then Nissan will know how many you have? Yes. Uh. And so if you know the number of cells that are in the stack and you know the rough dimensions of the stack, you can calculate things such as the energy consumption and the efficiency and the, uh, the current and voltage and all these other things of the stack. And you can very easily pinpoint what your competition is doing. So we keep things like that separate just to keep them guessing. So what's to stop Nissan from buying this Honda car and just <laughs> taking out the fuel cell and counting how many cells you have? We are very careful to whom we lease um, FCX Clarities. So Ryan has decided to let me start the car. Um, he hands me the keys. It's been a while since I've driven, living in New York. I take the MTA. Would you like to start the fuel cell vehicle I, and hear I, what it sounds yes, like? Yes, I do. Oh, okay, key. I I'm have handing the key. you the key. Okay, I'm putting the key, key in the car. Mm -hmm. And do I have to put my foot on the brake or anything? Uh, yes, just, just uh, slightly put your foot on the brake. 
Is that it? You've now woken up the accessories. Oh my gosh, there's a power button. I just pushed the power button. And that's it. Okay, the so vehicle's running. as you can hear, there's not much to hear actually um, <laughs> at all. Really? So now <laughs> the car would So run. I have a One pretty hard time about. telling whether or not the hydrogen car I'm sitting in is actually on because it's so quiet and um, there's very little rumbling as you normally hear with sort of a gasoline engine. So while to many people this would seem like a dream, the ultimate quiet interior, it's actually causing some problems or concerns within the disabled community, especially among the visually impaired who rely on the sound of cars and the sound of their engines to alert them as to when a car is nearby. And so there's actually some research being done to develop systems, sound frequencies that will go into these electric engines to notify people who rely on the sound of the cars. So after I get out of the car with Ryan, I get right into another car with Catherine Dunwoody. She's the executive director of the California Fuel Cell Partnership. The California Fuel Cell Partnership is a collaboration. It's really a public-private partnership with industry and government working together. We have auto manufacturers, energy companies, fuel cell companies, and state, local, and federal government agencies. And our goal is to promote commercialization of hydrogen fuel cell vehicles. We're based in California. It's a focal point for the auto companies, um, early market introduction of both cars and buses that use hydrogen fuel cell technology. Ah, yes, California, the last stop on the tour and the hydrogen car capital of America. I want to know exactly why California is so much further ahead with hydrogen technology than the rest of the country. California has a long history of very progressive vehicle regulations for reducing tailpipe emissions. So that's really the, the genesis of the leadership that California has. Because we've got such a severe air quality problem, we were allowed to have our own regulations in California. And so California really leads the nation and even the world in reducing tailpipe emissions. As well now, our governor um, and our legislature has adopted goals and regulations for reducing greenhouse gas emissions. We have a goal to reduce emissions by 80 percent below 1990 levels by 2050. And hydrogen fuel cell vehicles are one technology that will help us reach that goal. Not five feet from the car, I spot Tom Barrett. He's the U.S. Deputy Secretary for Transportation at the Department of Transportation. They're basically responsible for overseeing all methods of transportation at the federal level. And judging by their recent investments, they think that fuel cells have some pretty big potential. The federal government in the last five years under a presidential initiative under President Bush invested about $1.3 billion. To kind of, we're looking for cleaner, more efficient, non-polluting ways to move people around this country. And hydrogen offers one of those paths. So we've invested a lot in technology, but what you're seeing today is the technology is kind of exiting the lab. It's exiting onto the roads. These are full-size, uh, standard package vehicles powered by uh, varying types of hydrogen fuel cell technology. Okay, fair enough, but currently the market cost of a hydrogen vehicle is way out of my league. Some of the cars on the road tour are estimated to cost around half a million dollars, which is probably way out of your league, too. I get Catherine to explain. All new technologies, when they first come out, are very expensive. And one of the key challenges with fuel cell vehicles is the fuel cell itself. 
an order of magnitude of the cost reduction will come from reducing materials costs, and that's the cost of the um, precious metals in the catalyst. The other order of magnitude will come from manufacturing economies of scale. When you look at projections, you know, researchers, for example, at MIT have done studies to show that at full production volumes, you can achieve almost price parity with a conventional gasoline vehicle, there probably will be a premium of something on the order of, they estimate, $3,600, which is comparable to a hybrid vehicle, you know, the cost of the batteries and all. So this technology will be more expensive, especially in the early years, which is why we need government support to make the transition to a commercial market. We need that government support both to offset the cost of the vehicle and to offset the cost of the fueling infrastructure in the early years. So not much time has passed since I met the hydrogen road tour this morning, but already they're packing up to leave. Their next stop is the Liberty Science Center in New Jersey, where they've set up a portable hydrogen fueling station and a test drive course. Tom Barrett tells me the car he test drove at the last stop was the BMW, and wooed by what may be my only extremely luxury car ride ever, I decide to ride with them to the Science Center. Hey, hi. Hi, how are you? Okay, so we're in the BMW Hydrogen 7. Yes. Yes, and um, we're waiting for all the other cars, apparently, to go before us. And I'm sitting here with... Jason Perrin. Who does what at BMW? I'm the project leader for our clean energy program in North America. Okay, tell me about the Hydrogen 7. The Hydrogen 7 is based on a 7 Series Long. Uh, it really is just, just pretty much the same as the regular 7 Series. The only difference is it's by fuel and runs on hydrogen or gasoline. So the BMW Hydrogen 7 car runs on a different kind of hydrogen engine. Instead of a fuel cell, it has an internal combustion engine for the hydrogen. And actually what makes the BMW Hydrogen 7 really unique is that it has two fuel systems, a gas system and a hydrogen system, and it can switch between either one. And this is done basically just by pressing a button right beside the steering wheel. BMW says this feature is really handy because there isn't the infrastructure yet to support a completely hydrogen-run car realistically. Say you're taking your hydrogen car to the country for the weekend and there aren't any hydrogen fueling stations, BMW says it's really easy to just switch your car to the fuel engine, fill it up with gas, and go. Then on your way home, when you hit a hydrogen station in the city, you can switch back to the hydrogen engine and fill up on hydrogen. Now, interestingly enough, the engine output in the car is reduced when it runs on hydrogen. And so BMW has actually depowered the gas engine in a way, the gas-burning engine mode, to match that of the hydrogen output so that when you switch between the two engines, you don't actually notice a difference in the speed or performance in the car. Now, because you're burning the hydrogen instead of just separating the molecules and then reforming them, there is slight traces of emission produced. So trace levels of carbon dioxide and nitrogen oxides are produced when you burn hydrogen in an internal combustion engine, but it's still much, much cleaner than a regular gasoline engine. So I'm going to do something totally We are doing a U-turn in the Hydrogen 7 BMW car. It also does U-turns. Illegally. Is it illegal? No, this is a legal one. Okay. Poor guy just followed me. (laughs) So, over here, you see the fuel stations that have been set up. Oh my 
my gosh, indeed. And we also have a, uh, a workshop truck that we, we drive. Thanks for the ride. Yes. Absolutely. Get Thank water. you for the ride. You know what? Um, you can get up here instead. Take care. So after my long drive to the Liberty Science Center, I decided I needed to see exactly how the BMW Hydrogen 7 car was fueled up. The BMW Hydrogen 7 car and the other BMW Hydrogen cars run off of liquid hydrogen, which is achieved by making it extremely cold, somewhere around the line of minus 253 degrees Celsius. I clambered onto this huge platform with Thomas Korn. He's a fuel expert, and he showed me exactly how to fuel up the car. My my name is Thomas Korn. I'm from the engineering group of the hydrogen team in Oxnard in California. So where are we standing right now? We brought our mobile refueler regarding there is a lack of Basically what we're looking at is a series of platforms and trucks. This portable hydrogen fueling station has a number of tanks on it, all of which are holding pressurized hydrogen and liquid hydrogen. They connect the hydrogen tank to the fueling station hose and channel it into the car. Can you describe to me what this looks like? Because even though you said... Yeah, it's a, it's a hose which has a little bit a bigger diameter because we are filling liquid hydrogen. It has minus 480 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's pretty cold and we try to keep it cold so we have an insulated hose. That's why it looks a little... The weird. hose looks a lot like your insulated dryer tube coming out of the back of your dryer. Because the hydrogen is so cold, they have to wrap the hose in this insulated tubing so that your hands don't freeze. So it's about four or five inches in diameter, and you sort of pull this huge hose out of a brace and slide it towards the car's gas tank. The nozzle looks a little bit like a stereo plug that you might have on the end of your headphones. You have to click it into the valve in the car, and then basically a seal is formed, and this seal is verified by sort of an automatic computer check. No hydrogen will come out of the hose until the seal is verified. Um, And then, that's it. The liquid hydrogen starts filling up the tank, and Thomas says that it takes about the same amount of time that it would take to fuel your normal car. You just take it out of the the holder, and we have a kind of a slide here, which supports the process connected to the car so it slips over it yeah and that's it more or less yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is sometimes a little difficult thomas takes me over to the fueling computer and what we're looking at is a big lcd screen kind of like your computer monitor a touch screen and it shows the whole hydrogen fueling system. They can monitor the pressures and temperatures and status of all the tanks in the portable station. They can also check the valve seal and can tell the pump when to start and stop filling the car. Basically, this was sort of like a non-public version of the computer. This sort of thing would be a lot simpler for normal people in a hydrogen fueling station, say, a shell station. But for now, they like to have complete control over what's happening on this portable station just for safety reasons. So I learned that fueling up a hydrogen car with liquid hydrogen is not that different from the way we would fuel up a gasoline car. But hold on. I still didn't know exactly where hydrogen came from in the first place. So I sat down with a couple of guys from Lindy, 
a major supplier of hydrogen gas in the car market. Uh, my name is Robert Rochon. I'm a commercial development specialist with Lindy North America. I'm based out of the Chicago, Illinois office. Uh, I've been with Lindy for about 12 years, all the time working with hydrogen projects. Hi, I'm Mike Ciotti. I'm a project manager for Lindy North America, Inc. in Murray Hill, New Jersey. Lindy's an industrial gas company that provides oxygen, nitrogen, hydrogen to various customers throughout the world, and we also provide engineering services. Petrochemicals are products that are produced or derived and originate from petroleum. So you have plastics, adhesives, transportation fuels like gasoline, diesel, lube oils. They are all products that are derived from petroleum. Hydrogen can also be derived from petroleum. However, one of the things we want to try to do is how do we break the cycle of using petroleum to use as a transportation fuel. One of the beauties of hydrogen is there's several different ways you can produce it. You can produce it with electricity, passing electricity through water to generate hydrogen and oxygen. You can also, like I said, we, we can do it with a steam methane reformer. One of the things we're trying to focus on are ways to produce hydrogen that don't add to the carbon footprint. And one of the ways that the hydrogen that has been used for this particular show was generated from a process that does not use petrochemicals. This method is generated from a plant that we work with. It's in Mega, Quebec. It's a chemical process. They make sodium perchlorate, and hydrogen happens to be a byproduct from them. What you have with our plant Magog is you have a process that takes hydroelectric power. So we input hydroelectric power to clean up this hydrogen off-gas, which is 99.7% pure from the chloride process. We're cleaning that up, and then we use the hydroelectric power to cool it down. So the energy we're putting in isn't really wasted wasted oil. We're not burning oil or, or anything else. So it's a very clean process. To distribute that product, it's much more efficient for us to distribute it in liquid form. Uh, other methods that we could distribute would be pipeline gases. Like currently in North America and Canada, natural gas is distributed through pipelines, and those weren't all throughout the country right now. So on a large scale, you'd have this gas running through a pipeline, if you're looking at a, an individual truck distribution model, then you might have liquid in a truck. On a smaller scale, you'd have gas in a truck, but it takes a lot of energy to compress it. You don't get as much in the truck. And on a very low scale, you'd have cylinders. I think we've all seen cylinders of helium to fill balloons. That's probably the smallest package that we would put hydrogen in, but it's not economical for our customer. Economics and developing infrastructure are by far the biggest hurdles of the hydrogen car industry. If you think gas is expensive... One gallon of hydrogen goes for anywhere between 3 and $7. It will probably be a while before hydrogen pipelines shoot across the country underground. But as Catherine says, it's not exactly a futuristic technology either. Well, we really do have quite a few hydrogen stations in California. There's 25, more than any other place in the country. But they are really geared towards those fleet demonstration programs. We are pushing very hard to get early retail stations. We have the first one in West LA. We've got a shell station there where the hydrogen is right alongside the gasoline pump. There are many more coming as well in the coming years to Los Angeles. So uh, it is time to begin this transition and we have to meet some more technical goals and cost reduction goals in order to really ramp up to mass commercialization. But the auto companies are ready to go. When that day comes, they're ready to ramp it up to mass commercial numbers. We do need to work on the infrastructure and get those early retail stations into the markets. So the next question is, are you sold on the hydrogen economy? Or what about just a four-door car with a fuel cell? You, after all, are the consumer. For Science in the City, I'm Alana Ranke. Thanks for listening. Do you love Science in the City podcasts? 
support them by becoming a member of the New York Academy of Sciences. Visit scienceandthecity.org and click Join NIAS. Did you know you can subscribe to Science in the City podcast on iTunes and get our latest story downloaded automatically every week for free? Search Science in the City in your iTunes search bar. Do you have questions or comments about our show? We'd love your feedback. Send us an email at scienceandthecity at nyas.org or leave us a voicemail at 212-298-8654. Want to know more about science in New York? Visit scienceandthecity.org. See you next week.